Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are diving into Disney's The Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And I'm Kestra Dorowski. We are discussing minute number one, which begins with the uh, the starlight above the new Disney logo of Cinderella's castle, and ends with a large ship coming through the mist. Minute number one of The Little Mermaid features the Disney logo, seagulls flying, and dolphins swimming. Yeah. Welcome back to Dame! Dame! Woohoo! We're back! <laughs> we are back. We have been on our break since we finished Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It was so fantastic, and we have missed it. So we are coming back within the same year to do the beginning of the Disney Renaissance, The Little Mermaid. Do we want to explain the yeah, let's, different let's, okay, yeah. eras? So that we, we are jumping around through a few different eras. You, If you search online, you'll find a few different things about what the natural breaks in Disney eras are. We have opted to make a five-era um, system, at least so far. Maybe the next era is around the corner. <laughs> but we have, yeah, we opted for a five-era system uh, to split the films up and bounce around. We... Didn't want to just go chronologically. Um, there's a lot of Disney podcasts that are reviewing the Disney animated features. It's it's a popular topic. Um, no one else uh, is doing as many of the uh, films one minute at a time as us. But there is um, Beauty and the Beastly Minute and a Goofy Movie Minute out there who are doing the, the movies by minute treatment. But we went with um, bouncing around so that we didn't have to wait forever to get to more things that we were excited about. Um, and things that more people can also relate to. Yes. So we decided to jump up to the Renaissance from what we're calling the classics. Um, so we went Snow White to Little Mermaid. And then we are going to bounce backwards uh, next into what we're calling the... I mean, we're calling it the dark the dark age. The dark period. Yeah. The dark era. Um, which is basically after Walt's personal involvement ended um, with, with most of the filmmaking. When he switched to theme parks, he still had a hand in some things, but his touch was really gone um, at that point. And that begins with uh, 101 Dalmatians, which will be our next film after The Little Mermaid. Uh, and it ends... We're count There's some fuzzy areas. We're going to say that ends with Rescuers Down Under, which technically is released after The Little Mermaid. But is it bears more kinship to the dark era films than it does to the Renaissance. Yes. And so the next Renaissance film would be Beauty and the Beast, uh, which will be a ways away. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a number of years. <laughs> as long as we're bouncing back and forth, we'll have few years but between each era. Yeah. So we wanted to not have um, any consecutive eras. And we wanted to bounce around for, for what's typically considered stronger and weaker. Um the that dark era is fairly often considered that dark era, um, going from more or less the end of Walt's involvement until the Renaissance, which is when things really started to feel more like the classics, like uh, Snow White, like Pinocchio, and things like that. And that's where we're at right now with The Little Mermaid. So after 101 Dalmatians, we will jump way forward, and we're going with Tangled as um, our initiator of the modern Disney era, there's debate about whether that should be Princess and the Frog or Tangled. We're opting for Tangled for the animation style uh, adjustment, and also it t 
tends to have a little more success overall. Um, and that's, uh, we're not knocking Princess <laughs> and the Frog. Like, it's fantastic and it's very good and, and it deserves its place, uh, among not the classic era, but the strong classic Disney style films. But the new era really is modeled on the success of Tangled, um, and not the, the, experiment of going back to the two-dimensional animation of princes in the frog which is why we group it into what we call the experimental phase uh starting in about 2000 i think actually 1999 with fantasia 2000 is where we're cutting it right um but, but that that's a 10-year period of what we call the experimental period it's the the area after the renaissance and before uh, basically a second renaissance uh is what we're dealing with in the modern era um, with Tangled and Moana and things like that. But it's a little weird because you also have Wreck-It Ralph and Zootopia. Um, Frozen's in there. So there's sort of two eras fighting in the modern era. Um, Big Hero 6 is another one. So you have sort of half this classic uh, Broadway musical sort of uh, Disney princess model. Uh, and half kind of like the, the dark era where it's a little more adventure -y. And a little less musical, um, and and but and also still, the some of them are really wonderful. Even though the dark era, oh, there's it, not the, lots. We are that excited are... to talk about 101 yes. Dalmatians and the Great Mouse Detective and the Rescuers and and things like that. But there's it. It's marked as it's just marked as a, a dark period for Disney between these true classics and and the the princess classic kind of thing mm -hmm. uh, before the Renaissance. It's just how the artistic history breaks down for that. And the experimental period is a little bit more like that, where it seems to be lacking a little bit of direction. It's not quite on form. You get your, uh, your dinosaur, your chicken little, your home on the ranges, uh, in there, your Fantasia 2000, which is uh, definitely an experimental attempt to kind of match some classic Disney stuff, which I think is very successful. Uh, some of those films are not as successful. One of the main things they're experimenting with throughout it is, uh, animation mm -hmm. style. Going to the computer generated as opposed to the two dimensional, uh, which ultimately did win out, uh, as we see in the, in the modern era. But that's how we're bouncing around. So we've done Snow White. Right now we're doing The Little Mermaid. Then we will bounce back in time to 101 Dalmatians. Then, then we will go forward to the modern era with Tangled. Then we will go back to the experimental. We're not sure exactly how we're going to handle what's the first film in that. Um, if it is Fantasia 2000, we won't be doing a, a by minute option, but maybe a weekly, um, by segment option or something like that. It's some, it, we'll plan on doing the same thing for Fantasia when we get to it, just so we can give it, uh, due course and not try to cram it all into one session, but we could do, you know, an hour on each segment or something and do them weekly instead of, uh, five days a week. And then after the experimental period, we will bounce all the way back to the classics, we'll hit Pinocchio uh, would be the next one on that. So that's sort of the the future of Dame coming your way. We are very excited about all of it. We're glad that we figured out a system to bounce around a little bit. We wanted to have the freedom to to cycle through the different eras so that nobody really felt left out. It would have taken us years to get to the Renaissance uh, and and we didn't want to wait that long. The Renaissance is what we grew up with. It's, it's what we grew up with. And it's what a lot of people remember. To, remember to remember and relate to. And if we just went chronologically, we would feel 
a little lagging as we mm-hmm. as we go along because we're we're still in, in that same style but it um yes it, we with different styles a lot of can, different styles a lot of different tones it, it 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 creates a different tone for the podcast and and for us watching the minutes <laughs> watching the movies minute by minute exactly so that is our rationale for jumping all the way up to the renaissance as our second film uh, in our series for dame but it also means we we don't get so much exhaustion. I mean, doing um, Snow White immediately followed by Pinocchio, Dumbo, Bambi. We're not as excited about those as some other films. And this system pretty much ensures that no matter what film we're doing, we can look really strongly forward to the next film or maybe two films out, but we should never be very far from a film we're very excited about. Absolutely. So that's why we've decided to break it into eras and then jump between them. And um, we're excited for, for us to do it. And we're excited for you guys to join us as you listen to our podcast. And we're also looking forward to bringing a lot of great guests. We had a wonderful selection of guests for Snow White. And we are looking forward to that again with The Little Mermaid. But we should jump into discussion of this actual minute. As I mentioned, it's minute number one of Disney's The Little Mermaid. Uh, we are using a Blu-ray edition. It is the Diamond Edition 2013 Blu-ray release of the film, The Little Mermaid, originally released in 1989. Uh, so it's been almost 30 years. Oh my goodness. Is that... Is that... It's very close to 30 years now. <sighs> if it's 2017, that's in two years. Because mm-hmm. it was released on November 17th, mm-hmm. 1989. Um, so we are just about... Um, by the time this... This season is done uh, for your listening pleasure. We should be less than two years away from its 30-year anniversary. Wow, uh, that's weird to think about. Yeah. We're getting old. <laughs> but it's also um, just over 50 years after Snow White. Yes. Um, Snow White was 37, 38, um, sort of. It had a, a weird release schedule. And so almost 50 years later, we get to the... Renaissance. So in 20 more years, we'll have the full Renaissance Renaissance of yes. Disney, right? If it's on a 50-year cycle. It's also 30 years exactly from uh, from Sleeping Beauty, which was the last actual fairy tale that Disney had animated. Was that the last one that we count in the classics? I think for, so. I believe, for our listing? I believe so. Um, I can double check that. It's, I know it's one of the last ones with Walt's personal touch. Yes. Um, at, which is where we made that delineation. Uh, it is. It is, in fact, the last okay. one of the classics. So so there's a 20-year span for 30. the classics. For the classics. Oh, oh, for the and classics, then a 30-year yes. span for uh, what we're calling the, the Dark Era. Um, but anyway, we're here with The Little Mermaid. It was directed by... Who do we have? The, or should we wait until the credits actually come up? I, I guess we this could, week? could wait. Okay. Um, the first thing we see is, because it was the Blu-ray release uh, 2013, we see the, the current, now, Disney Castle logo, which is not what I was accustomed to for this film. Yes. I grew up with a copy of the... Well, okay, my family had a few different copies of this one at different times. And I definitely remember, I'm pretty sure all of them had the the blue, blue on blue uh, Disney... I, I'm going to call it the Renaissance logo because that's really 
I think what it is. Uh, there's, uh, I guess, some experimentation with it later. Before, so I have notes of, or I have information about the Disney logo itself. Okay. This also, listeners, we're sorry if you've listened to Snow White and expected a certain uh, amount of reading from a historical book. Uh, there is no such book for The Little Mermaid that we could find. So Kestra is doing most of this research on her own with the help of the internet and commentaries and interviews. She does not have the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs creation of a classic reference guide. No, I do not. <laughs> so these these notes will be in, in her voice and a little more uh, haphazard in our way to access them. And when I can, I will mention like where i found it but but it's, mostly it's just it's online. general historical yeah. facts that are available if you search for these things you'll be able to track them down exactly uh so the 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 blue on blue with the white is there any explanation for what that is because i always viewed it as like it, I, like blinds on a window right it looks like blinds that no are there's or... there's there's not but uh, okay, so there's no explanation for that kind of descending but broken. Yeah. Um, what is that supposed to mean? I don't know, but I always viewed it as like blinds or shutters that's, or something like that. That's what I always like thought. That. Shutters is a, is a good description. Yes. But before before that logo uh, came out, there wasn't really a set logo for all the Disney films. Uh, but the what is called the Disney logo classic uh, is that. The, the shutter, blue blue. the blue on blue. So it's the classic. I don't want to call it that because it's really associated with the Renaissance. So, mm-hmm. um, but at it, what point did the arch become part of the logo? Which I did not know for a very, 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 very long time that it was supposed to be Tinkerbell um, flying over the castle. But do you know at what point the arch became part of the castle logo? What I saw did not mention anything. Obviously, this wasn't present for Snow White. Right. Um, it couldn't really have been present until at least after Disneyland had this, opened this, because of the castle. Right. This logo came out with Black Cauldron in 1985. Mm-hmm. So a few years before this. Yes. And it it changed a little in 2002 with a little bit of a brighter blue color on in the background. But that's but, kind of a negligible that's, that's, difference. That's it. Before that... There's also the the Pixar the one. The Pixar one with the like the CGI the, um, the text the, the three dimensional texture right. castle that came out with in 1995 with Toy Story, mm-hmm. and but it wasn't used for anything but toy but, um, but Pixar. Pixar right. And then in 2000 there was the the shutter one, but it was like the, the orange shutter with the black background. Um, that 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 was. It didn't say exactly what it came out with, what the movie came out with, but it was... In 2000? Yeah. Possibly a live action? Possibly. Um, I feel like they definitely had a cycle of doing kind of uh, fitted for the film um, through the the experimental period uh, of things like Treasure Planet or Atlantis. Atlantis definitely had one. It was sort of an underwater stone or metalwork kind of thing. And so the the tone shifted uh, at the millennium. And then, yeah, right. Uh, and then the last one, which is the Disney logo modern. That uh, orange one might have been with Fantasia 2000. That's very possible. Or, I feel like that might be the case. Or dinosaur. The- it could have been dinosaur. That would have, that would track with dinosaur as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the color choices there. But then we have the the, the the current one, which is the Disney 
logo modern is what it's mm-hmm. called. Which is fair. I, I agree with that one. And it came out with Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest in 2006. And that, then it changes. I feel changes. like it would have, yeah, that that one it, has gone through a lot of Like it changes, but that's that's where it, it starts with the the river and the, and the, the, the camera the, work and yeah. everything. And, and okay. that like full on castle instead of. With the clouds, the sky, the grass. Yes. And it cha- and it's changed for some some films like mm. Maleficent has Maleficent's castle instead of Cinderella's castle and right. stuff like that. Okay, but this is what we're calling the Renaissance logo, but is technically the classic logo. And but we but don't we see we see on our Blu-ray edition the new modern logo. But if you look at an older DVD or VHS version mm-hmm. it will have the shutter as did most of the ones that i grew up with yes um in the theater and on vhs that is what i was used to yeah <laughs> and i miss it i do miss it too it's it has a lot of uh moment um the, the, what's the word memories memories yeah it's it's, mem- it's it has a lot of memories emotion Emotion is the word. Yes, <laughs> it has a lot of emotion with with me because you know it's 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 my childhood. It's part of what I grew up with. Yeah, me too. And I, I mean, it's still Disney, and it's still the castle. Um, but I I do miss what I grew up with, which I suppose is the case for just about everybody. They have childhood memories that are that are good, and they want that back. But then it moves into a gray sky, cloudy gray sky. We get some some horns. Would you say those are horns of some kind? Brass horns, they're, maybe? They're, they're brass instruments. I always I, defer to Kestra on music. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to listen to it closely again. But uh, they're definitely brass instruments. They might be a horn of some kind. But mm-hmm. not every brass instrument is a horn. It's... it's uh, yeah. I like it. I like the the shanty that's coming up. Um, that'll be mostly tomorrow, but I like the opening notes that we hear of it mm-hmm. through this minute. Absolutely. And then some seagulls come through, and uh, as you look through all out this, the next two days, I guess, until we get to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the colors are very muted. It's, it's awfully gray. Um, it's, there's some blue, but most of the blue is grayed a bit. Yes. I'd say. Uh, it's even the, the like the wood on the boat. The brown is pushed a little gray. And the sailors, they have like a they have red on their outfits and stuff, but, but very little. very very and little, and it's muted and it's, it's darkened. Like, like it, it it'll be brighter later on. In this the film whole. Moment. This whole purpose was to kind of prepare the audience, or not prepare, I guess, but save the color and the brightness for the audience for when we get underwater. So kind of like a Wizard of Oz effect, where the beginning of I love that effect. Wizard that's of Oz so, that's is so great. Is and I've said on this podcast how fantastic the the scene, the sequence where they have to like go through the door, and they just painted everything, including. A body double for, um, how dare I forget her name? 
Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sweetheart. Um, the body double for Judy Garland was just uh, painted and made up and dressed in the sepia tone colors that matched the film they had been filming so that they could open the door and then step through the door. And uh, it's, it's so amazing. Yeah. So it was uh, especially muted for the opening scene so that it when we get underwater, it's everything's so much brighter and you're kind of entering the actual story of the film. Which I think um, is a nice way to separate it from the classics like Snow White, where you have this sort of storybook. Um, and in Snow White's case, this live action storybook that they filmed. Uh, and then it, and then it shifts into the animation. In this case, they're saying, you know, here is a ship. Here is a, you know, a, an above sea world. And then we are going to dive under the water and change everything. And it, I'm jumping ahead. So I, I won't, I, I will try to save it, but in a way, they're saying, you know, once you hit under the water, possibly all of this is within a framing device, and it's just the sailors telling a story or something. Mm. Uh, and the sailors live in this grayer world, which we never really see again. No, it's when it, when Ariel sees the ship later, she everything is bright again. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know particularly why they would they they stopped it, but that they that's why they did it for the opening sequence at the very least it's a good reason and it definitely works i'd say it even through the ocean sequence it doesn't quite settle into the the complete brightness until the end of the week Mm -hmm. um when we're really in a fantasy world yeah i Um, agree it's it's a it's a it's a good technique they also have some interesting camera work and things are very different uh at this point for animation from snow white camera techniques are very different animation techniques are very different but at the same time, it's one of the reasons it's called the Renaissance is they were trying to replicate the not just the success, but they were trying to replicate techniques from the classic Disney stuff. Uh, they went back and they read about what had happened for the creation of Snow White. What were they doing that made it so special? What can we what have we not been doing that we can switch to make it special? And this was a very important film for the Disney company because they had been losing money. Yes. They've been losing money. And actually they were the, there was talk that they were going to shut down a big portion or if not all of the animation studio studio. So no more Disney animated features. Like just possibility. It was a possibility. And so the animators who took up little mermaid were like, Oh, they were on the we line. need to be like, we need to make this. It was a long process. When did it start? Uh, 85 was when the production process I, started. I believe so. In, in earnest, at least. Um, but in 85, that's also when they uh, had to leave their stu- the the Burbank studio. They were kind of forced out of the yeah, Burbank they, studio. It was a cutback. They cut back the space and put them somewhere else. And they were put in trailers on Flower Street. And that was, and that's where they made this. Yes, but there was a lot of different things going on, and um, as I won't go into all the details, which we we should at some point dig into a lot of these details. I will eventually go into a lot of details. There is a fascinating history behind um, who's in charge, who's leaving to make their own studio, and taking animators with them. 
And it, it is an ongoing thing. There's not just one exodus from Disney at one time. There are many transitions. Um, the development of different studios later on, animation studios of, of multiple kinds have been born out of people uh, leaving Disney, taking other people with them, uh, or just the natural transition of things. And so whenever you get something that's really successful, it's always nice to remember that there's probably a little uh, lightning in a bottle there where you can't recapture it exactly. Yeah, exactly. One of the techniques I did want to talk about, they use a very interesting camera angle as they start in the sky and you see seagulls flying basically level um, to the plane of the camera uh, towards the audience. And the seagulls fly by and the camera descends and does not level itself out as it comes to focus on the boat. It, it travels at a tilted angle. Uh, as it descends through the clouds. Oh, you're right. Now that I think about which is, it, yeah. Which is fairly interesting. And, I mean, it's animation. They don't have to worry about anything like that. You know, they are creating these angles themselves, however they want. And in in this case, they're playing with computer stuff. Um, in a lot of ways, they're just learning <laughs> some computer stuff. And... And it's interesting to see how that comes into play with the way they're layering the the clouds in this case and the birds in the ocean and the boat or, or the ship. I should say it's a ship. And I love how you just see this this camera move and then it stays tilted as it descends until it changes uh, angle. It, it changes the, the shot completely. That's interesting. Huh. It's it's a nice little touch. Yeah. To, to make you feel like you're actually part of this world. Like. This is not a camera angle that you can just have in a live action film because it would by necessity have to be a helicopter shot and then you would have to angle with birds flying, which you can't get that quite as predictable in live action. I guess with with a computer generated birds in a live action one, you could recreate this shot, but I don't think it can be re recreated physically with with practical birds and filming mechanics. I don't think there's a way to be that high, that steady, and turn that angle. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. So it's worth noting that this requires it to be animated for moments like this, which is wonderful and and charming and really enjoyable. I love <laughs> seeing little things like that. I have some dolphin facts Ooh, because dolphins. we we follow the birds and we descend down and then we see some dolphins swimming and then a bird settles and uh, it definitely talks to the dolphins. Like, it looks like he's talking it's to the dolphins. Like, I am certain that that is what is being conveyed. The dolphins are also smiling and I had to make a note of that because it made me, it made me smile that the dolphins were smiling. So dolphins are a diverse group of aquatic mammals and they kind of have a weird grouping system apparently there's sort of a subgrouping thing and they're um and how they're related to whales fun fact killer whales are dolphins really they i mean think about how a killer whale a killer whale compares to other whales and it is much more similar to a dolphin than it is to any other whale that's true so killer whales are the largest variety of dolphin or what you would consider dolphins and dolphins uh, are a group within the order Cetaceae, 
uh, which excludes whales and porpoises, but includes dolphins. So that is how all within Cetaceae, I think, are whales, porpoises, and dolphins. And dolphins are their own group. Porpoises are another group. And whales are the other group. And so killer whales, part of dolphins. Also, dolphins, closely related to hippopotami. Really? Mm-hmm. Apparently, according to, you know, the evolutionary chart. I don't know exactly how it works, but they, you know, take whatever they can figure out. And they say, oh, they're pretty closely related to hippos. Huh. Of all things. That's That's interesting. Dolphin's teeth are conical. So, tiny little cones. Dolphin's teeth are sometimes really terrifying. Like, they, they scare me quite a bit. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. <laughs> but dolphins are fun. Uh, they're enjoyable to see playing in the water. Um, these dolphins are just gray. <laughs> they, mean they have a little bit the, of a blue, like, in them, but it's really, it's, it's mostly gray. gray. Yeah. And then we get the ship coming in, which this is a... Just barely. It's a... So is this even the computer generated shot? Because it's an interesting camera move that we get, I guess, at the beginning of next minute. I don't know exactly. It might be. Uh, What you need, what everyone needs to know about Little Mermaid is it was the last film that they used hand-drawn cells. So cell animation, like we talked a lot about in Snow White. But it's also the first film where they started using computers animation. Uh, so it's a transition. It's a transition. But it was just a couple of of, of scenes where they used I think the, the finale, caps. right? The cap, yes. What does CAPS stand for? CAPS stands for... I wrote it down. I count on Kestra. She's ready for this. Computer Assisted Production System. It's kind of boring. Yeah. But it was created by Pixar. Kind of. Before they were making their films. Yes. Uh... And it scanned animators' drawings and then, like... It put it onto... And then it inked and colored them and made so, them even okay. so, better. Okay, so it, would it scan... It, so they weren't even drawing on cells at that point. They would have been scanning um, drawings on paper into it, and then it could make basically a, a transparent cell from that that they would then ink and paint and layer. Mm, yes. Okay. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Are you are you good? I'm good. I don't have anything else for this minute. Okay. That is all we have today. We are part of Dueling Genre. You can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all Dueling Genre productions. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, which is D-I-S Minute. You could say DizMinute or DisMinute. DisMinute right here. <laughs> We are on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society or Damsels group. We want to thank Star Wars Minute for starting the Movies by Minutes trend. We are grateful that they have done it and that so many years later there's so many of us around and that we're part of it. And until tomorrow, we want to thank you for making us part of your world. 